Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Rooted Deep, a podcast featuring Reba Bowman and Allison Hale. This is Reba, and welcome to Rooted Deep. I'm here today with Allison, and we are pretty excited because many of you who have been with us on the podcast before know that we have done some Bible studies together. Uh, this is just taking a book of the Bible, taking a character of the Bible, and just kind of walking through a little bit of truths and some things that we can just really learn from their lives or from their story or from this book. And so we're going to start today with the book of Nehemiah. And Allison, I'm pretty excited because this is a great book. And I know it's a book that you really like too. Yeah, it is. It's actually a very personal book for me, just because when we first started, I first started the ministry at Mercy, I kind of used some principles from the book of Nehemiah to guide kind of how I began um, the Mercy Workshop. And so Nehemiah has always been a very, um, a very special book for me. And it, but it's also, I mean, it's sad um, at some points because you understand where they are. But then other times it's, it's, um, it's just a rejoicing moment. A lot of people quote certain parts of Nehemiah or they know the story at least. And um, so I think it'll be fun. So we, we want to encourage you, you know, to get back into Nehemiah, to read a few chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, I think it's 10 chapters long, uh, if I remember correctly. And, um, but, and it's, but it's, it's a good story. It's one of those, uh, it's one of those books of, uh, uh, of history that we really, um, we really need to, I think, I feel like we really need to remember. And I think it's a good time to go back into the book of Nehemiah right now. Yeah. And, you know, it's packed with, with truths. There's these, there's just these real life application nuggets and truths all the way through it. And so it's, you know, we talk about how the Bible is practical for today, even though it was written so many, many, many thousands of years ago. Uh, And this story accurately so, Nehemiah, a long, 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 long time ago in the history of the Jewish people. And yet this really powerful principles that we can really apply today. So like Allison said, we would encourage you read along uh, with us as we go through Nehemiah, maybe make Nehemiah your study uh, for this month. And uh, jump in and just to see what God has uh, has for you in your life. So we're going to start. And Allison, I think you're going to tell us a little bit about the history or the background of Nehemiah. So what's been going on before we open verse one, chapter one? Yeah, and um, I think it's when if if you've gone through um, a Bible reading and you get to you know you're reading Genesis, Exodus, and you're reading through it, you finally get through Leviticus. And then you get through, you know, everybody it takes a long time to get through Leviticus, but then you start going into the history of, of Israel and, you know, first Kings, second Kings and, you know, and the Chronicles and all of that. And all of a sudden you start real, you start reading this King did good in the sight of the, uh, in the sight of God, this King of Judah did bad in the sight of God, did mm-hmm. evil, did good, did evil, did good. And so it's kind of, and, and I was in a class one time and we actually, you know, because the kingdom split. So you have Israel, you have, uh, you have Judah at that time. And you still, you're kind of rooting for Judah because you're like, Israel's kind of gone. It was like, did evil, did evil, did evil. But Judah did, well, didn't really do much better. The kings of Judah didn't. Right. I mean, every once in a while he would do, he started, they start off well, then they do, and then they do evil at the end or vice versa. And so by right. the time we get to the last king of Judah, you know, God's just kind of like, you know, hey, listen, I've given you chance after chance. And so now you're going to be dispersed. You're going to be, you know, sold into slavery, bondage, exile, all of these things. And so... Um, and then we come up, you know, the Babylonian captivity. And so everybody knows about this, but then slowly but surely the Israelites start become, being released. I think there's two or three times 
that they're allowed to kind of go back to Jerusalem, Judah, especially the the the, the nation of Israel um, the, on the Judah side. So I think that's what I always had to write it down when reading the Bible. I always had to write it down. Which are we talking about? Um, but they finally get to go. They start getting to go back, and some go and some stay, and and mm-hmm. it's just interesting to see who's you know who's there. So when we come across Nehemiah, he's very um, at the beginning of Nehemiah. He they still and and and, and the, the the people of Judah kept their traditions as much as they could. They continued with circumcision. They continued um, observing the Sabbath. They they tried to they tried to keep their um, their community. And I think we can even see this day and age um still the jewish community is very there's certain there's so there's so many of them that continue those traditions um you know because they're you know of who god is and who um, and who they they like to they they keep that tradition so interestingly and so nehemiah is 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 part of the he's exiled he's in susa and he's working for the um he's working for the king um and he hears he hears some really bad news about what's going on back home and uh, and he hears that a lot of people are in Jerusalem, but they're open. the The city of Jerusalem is just open to yeah to the to the to the enemies. That's where yeah, they are right absolutely. now. There's no wall. There's no protection. Yeah, absolutely. Because we know the book of Ezra, right? So we've got the book of Ezra was a priest, and this is interesting because we've got Nehemiah, who's this layman who works for the king, and then Ezra was a priest. So chronologically, we've got the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, right? Uh, and the book of Ezra talks about rebuilding the temple. And the book of Nehemiah is really, we're going to look at the rebuilding of the walls. All right. So we've got, um, you know, we've got Ezra kind of telling us, um, you know, Ezra is going to go into all these details of rebuilding the actual um, temple and all of the details. And it's interesting that the book of Ezra and Nehemiah if we look at the books in the Hebrew canon, they're one book. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah. So, but so it's because this is about a, the storyline is kind of the same a little bit. So Nehemiah obviously has this important office uh, at the court of the most powerful king, uh, the Persian king, which is Artaxerxes. Um, but his heart, obviously, as we're going to see, his heart is with God's people yeah. and with what God is doing in Jerusalem. And, um, and so it's really, it's amazing to watch as, as the 70 years of exile is, is ending. And as people are going back to Jerusalem and as a temple is being built, and now he sees the burden that there's got to be protection for this city and protection for what's happening and a wall needs to be built. And so it's kind of historically kind of where we drop in to history here at a really key point um you know of this time period uh if even for prophecy as we've watched Mm -hmm. the 70 weeks be laid out in daniel and now all of a sudden we're here as nehemiah is going to build this wall so really good stuff uh as we plow into this book yeah even i mean even the phrase uh the people who had survived exile this the beginning of nehemiah is in great trouble and shame the wall of jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. One of the things I think is interesting is Jerusalem and the people, the people of Israel, they're still considered the people of God. Yeah. And they, they were concerned about the, the name of their people because that was one of the things that I will make your name mm-hmm. great. That was the yeah. beginning. 
recognition of the kings of Israel and, and, um, and the promise that God had given and the covenant that he had made with them. And it's one of the things, it's, it is trouble and shame because they, they remembered where they were before. And it's almost, it's, it is humiliating, but it also is, there's a, there's a lack of protection. And, um, and so we, we jump right in. It's like Nehemiah asked, Hey, how's everybody doing? And at this point we can think, Oh man, he's got a cushy job up at Susa. He's doing fine. He really doesn't, he really doesn't, you know, he could just be comfortable just knowing, you know, he, Oh, how's everything going? Oh, that's really sad. You know, Mm -hmm. I hate that, but I've still, I've got a job to do. I'm, I'm going to move on, but it really, and I think this is when you and I had talked about just being in ministry, as soon as the Lord opens your eyes to something, you can't look away. And that's, that's where we find Nehemiah. He heard it. He couldn't unhear it. Now he asked about the exiled people and uh, he heard about the wall of Jerusalem. The gates Mm -hmm. were destroyed by fire. He heard about the danger from every side, you know, to an unprotected city, because we know what that's like when the, when the cities needed walls, you know? Sure. And so then we start. Yeah. No. And I was going to say, and just, you know, uses this word shame Mm. um, in verse three, um, understanding that we, of course, you know, trying to close our eyes and think about what did this city look like, but you can imagine the city that that the, the walls would have been destroyed by fire. And so it's just laying in rubble and, probably charred and it looks, it looks bad. And it, it, it's, 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 this is supposed to be the, the heart of of home for the Jewish people. And yet it looks like, you know, a a, a war has gone through there and it's in just total, it's, they're barely hanging on. And so you see this, this, this feeling of shame. It says, man, this is our town. Mm -hmm. This is our home. And this is, our people need a place and this is the place. And so we need to go back and make this, we, we need to get this in repair. So yeah. you see this urgency, you know, you all, this by fueled, it seems as the Bible uses this really strong word, shame, yeah. um, this, this pride that he's got for his country mm-hmm. and for his people and for the place God put them and the desire for something to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, and thinking about all of that, and again, thinking about who they are as a history and as a people Mm -hmm. and understanding their importance, their testimony and, you know, to the world, um, that has, they've already suffered, they've already suffered so much. And, and, you know, and so here Nehemiah is getting this horrible news and, and his response to this is just, just weeping and mourning and fasting for days, it says, um, And he just starts, he's, he's like, man, I, you know, and he can't, he can't just turn it off at this point. He can't just say, well, that's too bad. I'm right. here now, I've got a life to go on. He really felt the need to, to do something or to, to, to do something. So the first thing he does, and I think a lot of times this is always the last thing that we do, <laughs> but the first thing he does after the, all the feels have gone through and after the morning and the sadness and mm-hmm. the, and, the, and um, he just starts to pray. And yeah. I, I, I wrote, I've written down this prayer, just handwritten this prayer so many times, just because there's so many elements mm. to this prayer that I think are beautiful. And still, like you said, the Bible is still relevant. If you take, if you take this prayer and apply it to your family, or you mm-hmm. apply, apply it to your ministry, or you apply it to yeah. personal, this prayer really is, I mean, it's kind of a, it's a catch-all. It, it, yeah. it covers it all. Yeah. Cause I think we all have things in our life that are not the way we want them to be. Right. Yeah. You know, and we all have things in our life that we're like, we know it's going to take a miracle from God Mm -hmm. to get them 
to return to something that brings him glory, yeah. right? Or something that honors him. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, you know, Nehemiah's progression in this prayer yeah. is powerful because I think anytime we come to a point in our life where we realize, okay, there is something that needs to be done here. Mm-hmm. Change needs to happen. And yet I'm not big enough, powerful enough to get it done. Yeah. Right. right. Then what, you know, you got one or two options at this point. You either despair mm-hmm. or you pray. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you lean into somebody who can get it done, yeah. you know, or you give up. And so I think for Nehemiah, he's, he's given us such a great lesson here as he starts off and of where, where do we bring our burdens? Where do we bring our, our cares and our, our desire for change and, you know, to a powerful God who can change and who can make things different. And so he goes here and you're, you're exactly right. The Bible says that he weeps. Mm-hmm. So he shows brokenness, he mourns, um, and he fasts before the Lord. Yeah. And he, so he's just, you know, you can just see this broken spirit in Nehemiah's heart. And then the next rest of this chapter is his prayer. Right. So we, let's just kind of walk through this prayer, Allison. And right. we hope as you're listening, maybe today you think through this prayer in whatever, what's your, what's your situation right now? Yeah. Where are yeah. your broken walls right now? Right. Where where is destruction in your life right now, or maybe in a friend's life or a family member's life that really needs miraculous? God, we need you to show us what to do, and we need you to empower what what you call us to. So, you know, it kicks off right here, uh, and I love the first verse of the prayer because yes. it it actually puts God in His rightful place. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It exalts him. It's it, immediately in the prayer. Nehemiah knows who God is and how great yeah. he is. And he will eventually show who he feels like he is, Nehemiah. But he yeah. starts off, oh, Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. And so he just starts off with just this awesome worship. But then um, a reminder that, you know, God does keep his covenants. He's mm-hmm. faithful. He is, he's just, he's righteous um, yeah. and he's where he needs to be. And, um, and automatically when we, when we start with the view of just like the Lord's prayer um, in the new mm-hmm. Testament, that model prayer, um, hallowed be thy name on earth as it is in heaven. It's, it's very similar. It's like, Hey, we need to begin. We need to, because sometimes I feel like in our prayers of desperation, and I've done this before where I start off almost telling God what he needs to do um, instead of telling God who I believe that he is. Yeah. And I really, I, and I've said this before, I feel like in prayer, sometimes he's like, no, I, you know, he's I'm in my spirit. It's kind of been stopped and said, okay, remember who you're talking to, watch your tone, you know, because you get to this point yeah. in your prayer, you start off with just a God, I don't know why you're not doing this. And I don't know. And you know, and there's, yeah. there's time for questions, but before you get to that question, yeah. make sure you, but you put your heart right with where he is. Um, in, 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 in the universe. Oh yeah. You know, I agree with that because he talks about, you know, the great and awesome God. Mm -hmm. So first of all, he just says, all right, Lord, I know, I know who you are and I know who I am. And so he he lifts God above all other things. And then he, and then I love these next two phrases. He said, who keeps covenant. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, we don't use the word covenant very often, but we still use the word promise often, very often in our, in our vocabulary. Um, God had made a promise to his people. And he promised them 
that he was going to bring them out of this time of exile. He had promised. And so Nehemiah is almost reminding God of his very own prices. God, you are a God who keeps your promise. You're a God who, who is a God of covenant. And then he says, not only that, but you're a God of steadfast love. So not only did not only do you keep your promises, but you not only you love us mm-hmm. and your love is unchanging. It is steadfast. Well, why is that important in Nehemiah's language? Well, because the children of Israel are in the mess they're in because of their own sin and failures, right? right. Yeah, their lack of steadfastness. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. So they have they have miserably failed God, and that's the reason that the walls are broken down and the city was destroyed to begin with. That's right. the reason everyone was in exile to begin with. So I think for us to remember, as we start out, no matter what our situation is, because I'm sure there are people listening right now that their situation is their own doing. Yeah. They've it's their fault that they've messed this thing up mm-hmm. and they can look back in guilt and in shame yeah. and say, but look what I've done. Yeah. And yet Nehemiah is like, okay, God, we understand what we've done, but we also know that you're a God who keeps promises and your promises are these. And you're also a God of steadfast love mm-hmm. and your love never changes for us, right. even though we don't always get it right. And I just think somebody needs to hear that today and be yeah. reminded because we're all, sometimes we sit and we don't go to God because mm-hmm. we think, He's mad at us. Yeah. And that's just not who God is. Yeah. Okay. And if you, if you feel that way, sometimes you're misunderstanding the character of God mm-hmm. because um, God does hate sin, but he loves his people. Right. And so, yeah. you know, God is a God that loves you steadfastly. Mm-hmm. And maybe you need to be reminded of that today in order to go back to him with this big thing that you need help with. Right. And I, you know, I was just talking to somebody yesterday um, about, he's like, man, I got away. I've gotten away from the Lord and now it's going to take me a long time to get back to the Lord. And I was like, that, that's not how God worked. He's, Uh -uh. he loves you. His love didn't change based on your action and based on your rejection or based on your, uh, your sin. His love didn't change. You changed, but God didn't change. And so it's actually not going to take as long as you think to, to, um, and it's not going to be, it's not based on you. It's based on him anyway. And he's already there. And, and I was trying to get them to understand that because I think Satan does like to say, Hey, you've gone too far. He's done with you. Um, because even we've, we, we look at this faithfulness to keep the Israelites, um, throughout, even, even in the wilderness, you know, during the time of Moses, Mm -hmm. that 40 years, their, their shoes didn't wear out. They still had food. They still yeah. had, he still took care of them even during their, their Absolutely. punishment or during their discipline. And, and, and even we're, we're seeing this now and we saw it all throughout, you know, the, like you, you mentioned Daniel and, um, and he, his faithfulness didn't change. No. Um, and, and the storm, he didn't take the storm away. He just, his presence within that. And so that steadfast love is so important for us to remember when we're in these moments, when we're like, Hey, you know, I know I'm here because I was, I messed up, but I'm going to need, you know, I, I need to be reminded and I need to remind you that I know that your love is steadfast. Absolutely. And then I love this last phrase. I know we need to move on, but I think this Mm -hmm. really, this, this first, this verse number five, I think sets the platform for the heart of the prayer. And that is, it says, and so it first defines who God is. Right. And then Mm -hmm. he comes and he says, and those who love him and keep his commandments. And I think there's this, just this real acknowledgement right off the bat that, Lord, this is who you are, and this is who I need to be. I need to be a person who loves you and keeps your commandments. And those two phrases go together. There's people who say, I love God, but they don't keep his commandments. Well, then you don't love God. Yeah. Um, We talk about that in 1 John. 
Right. And we talked about John 15 as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, you're exactly right, Allison. Um, The devil tries to lie to us and say, well, it's going to take you a long time to get back. Not so true. What does it take then to get Mm -hmm. back to God? Well, obviously, if we've got things that stand between us and him, we go to confess that and we get that right. But what we and we do what we start living in obedience. Right. So it's like, okay, Lord, you know, as I live in obedience to you, then God promises. Guess what? I'll hear your prayer. And so Nehemiah kind of sets this up in verse five and then he gets to verse six and and he just says, Lord, okay, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open and Mm -hmm. to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night. So obviously we get a feel for what's been happening as these, as he sat down and wept and mourned for days and he's fasted. Um, He said, I prayed before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, And I listen to what he says, confessing Mm -hmm. the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house Mm -hmm. have sinned. So that's a very, what he does. He says, Lord, I'm just confessing my sins, Mm -hmm. the sins of my people, the sins of my family. I'm confessing, Lord, this is where we've been. And we're sorry we've been here. And what a huge step. Mm-hmm. This step, this this prayer, this part of the prayer of intercession, and just saying, "Hey, it's not just because." Again, he could he could remove himself from the problem and say, "Hey, listen, I'm praying. I don't know what you're going to do. I agree with you. They were bad because yeah. I, you know i I didn't. I wasn't one of the kings that did evil in your sight. But right. he recognizes the importance of this intercession and saying, "Hey, there's nobody that has that is worthy of your steadfast love. None of us. We've all turned yeah. from you." Starting with the people of Israel, your ser- um, and then my house, my father's house have sinned, and 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 he continues, he continues that mm-hmm. intercession, just because again, if you start with a true view of who God is, right. then you're going to have a really honest view of who you are, and that's when you know that's when that mirror is is shown on your face, and you can say, hey, listen, I'm not right either. I'm you know, and and begin mm-hmm. that that confession. And the and the remorse, um, the repentance for him and his yeah. father's house and the people of Israel to say, we know who you are. We yeah. don't deserve the steadfast because here's who we were. And then that you know yeah. it continues on with the corrupt you know the corrupt actions that that Israel had um, had performed. But I think it's just yeah. interesting. You've got the intercession. You've got the remorse. You've got the repentance. Mm-hmm. And then the actual confession to where you're saying exactly what God says about your mm-hmm. sin, you're agreeing with him. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and not because I've been, you know, I've apologized before. I mean, I've, I've apologized. And there have been times when I'm like, I don't really think it was that bad. Right. You know, it's like, <laughs> right. Uh, or I'm going to say, I'm going to blame it on somebody else. And right. Right. I'm like, dude, I messed up. And I'm, you know, and yeah. there's a, there's a, there's a difference and you can tell there's a difference. Um, yeah. But but again, going back to that, seeing who God is, and then looking at your sin and your your failures through that through that view um, yeah. is so important. No, I agree because I think sometimes what we want we we want God to do what we want Him to do mm-hmm. and expect nothing of us. Yeah, I don't want to change. I want to still do what I want to do. I still want to be selfish or prideful or live in my sin or struggle through. I, I, that's how I want to be, and then. I want to go to God in prayer and say, God, help. And God rushes to me and says, sure, I'll fix that for you. And there's no confession. And and, and that's kind of how, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be great, right? But no, it wouldn't be great. Um, Because the Lord knows that our sinful ways 
you know, I remember talking to teenagers for all those years and, and still do sometimes. And there's that concept. And I think we can all fall into this immature line of thinking. And that is that somehow God's created knows because he doesn't want us to have any fun in life. Mm-mm, yeah. And as adults, I think, you know, that we think that too, sometimes, sometimes God says, this is a sin or that's going to, that's a sin. And when God lays out sins before us in his word, it's not so we don't have any fun in life. This is so that we avoid destruction yeah. that he knows the devil has planted mm-hmm. in all of these places right. along the way of life. And regardless of what it is, there's destruction there. There is, you know, there is deception there. Um, I was just reading this week, uh, USA Today had a big article, uh, and I don't know if you saw this, Allie, but they rescued 70 children down in Texas. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them were caught up in in trafficking um, uh, the industry at this point, but they were almost all runaways. Mm-hmm. And I found this very interesting. So you've got approximately 70 kids here in the U.S. who ran away from home. Why did they run away? They ran away. I, I promise you somewhere in the bottom of it, they ran away. Many of them did because they felt like their parents were just too something they didn't want. And they were looking for something else. There was a deception. Somehow it's going to be better over there. Over there It'll yeah. be better if I do this. And, you know, it's all it's all dressed up to make and made to look so great right. by the devil until you get there. And then all of a sudden, all of the horribleness comes out and God knows this. And so what does he do? He says, no, I'm going to put a no on that. And anything that's going to hurt you, I'm going to put a no on. And so for us, it's being like, okay, wait a minute. Haven't we, haven't we grown enough in our spiritual life to realize that God always tells mm-hmm. the truth and never always lies? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And Hannah, and we've talked about this before to where do we not trust him yeah. to, to make those decisions? And sometimes, and, and we don't know what he's doing, but do we not trust him um, with, these, with these steps that he's saying to take or with these walls that he's, or this like kind of boundaries that he's like, you know, don't, don't go this far, don't, you know, do we not trust him? And I think this is one of those things that um, in Nehemiah's prayer, again, he's like, yes, your steadfast love has, 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 has not changed. We're the ones who changed. We're the ones who went corrupt. We're the ones who, and he, and he's, he really goes into, he spends several verses on the acting correctly and haven't kept the, haven't kept the commandments and haven't kept the statutes and haven't, and, and, and the rules, these words, I mean, none of us like those words. I mean, who no. likes the word rules, you know, right. but right. Nehemiah's and, but he, he, if you start out with the foundation of understanding his steadfast love yeah, and the rules and the statutes and the commandments that were created to, mm-hmm. to have an orderly, to have, a, you know, in, in, if you look in, in Leviticus and the, the order that he was, he was making sure everybody kept sure. and, and, you know, there was, there was, there's a lot of them. There really are. I was, I, we're going over it at the workshop um, because right now we're in Romans and uh, we're bringing up the law a lot. So we're, you know, we're going back. Yeah. Remember, we talked about this at the end of the year. We talked about the law and we talked about now and now we're here. And, uh, and so we keep going back to the law, which is the whole point of the law is to be reminded that we can't yeah. keep the law and that Christ, yeah. you know, com- completed that's exactly the law. right. And um, and so when Nehemiah is saying we did, you know, we we were corrupt. We we mixed. You know, yeah. they, they mixed the religions, they brought in other gods because they didn't like, you know, they didn't yeah, absolutely. God, you know, and so he's, he's confessing point by point. He's going, yeah, we didn't do this. Yeah, we didn't do this. And so, um, 
and and and, and that's how we've sinned, and and we we were all guilty of it. But then, um, but then that verse eight, remember the word that you mm-hmm. commanded your servant. It's going back to the promise and the covenant that God yep. said with them. Just go back to that and say, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you. But if you return to me and keep my commandments, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of the heaven, I will gather them and yep. bring them in. And so he's reminded, he's like, this is what you promised. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to kind of call you on it. Oh, absolutely. And and I love that because I think that that's one of the things that's helped me in my own prayer life and in my own time of Bible reading with God is just as I read God's word, being able to pray those words back to God. And all right, Lord, this is what you said right here. And so, Lord, I I want that. Or Lord, you know, this is what you said. If I'll do this, that you'll do this. Well, then, Lord, I, you know, I want to pray that verse back to you. And so he's really, he really is. He not only Obviously, he's a man who's in the word. Yeah. Um, and so he's read it and he's like, okay, Lord, this is what you promised Moses. And so now we bring that back and we say, you promised that if if we if we would, you know, if we would confess and we would be yeah. right, that you would you would regather us. And God did promise that. And yeah. so um, you know, he reminds the Lord that God is the one who redeems. Yeah. And I love this word redemption. Mm-hmm. Redemption is maybe one of my favorite words in the Bible. Because the idea of redeeming this redemption and redeeming love is this concept that God took what was broken, what was messed up, what was what would have been outcast, what was thrown away, what was unusable by everybody else. And God would take that and he would say, you know what, wait a minute, I can fix that. Yeah. And I can make it beautiful Mm -hmm. and I can make it usable. Um, And the amazing thing that God, you know, uh, as pictured throughout scripture, he can take our ashes and he can bring beauty out of it. And so this is this word redemption or this redeeming. And he says, Lord, you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. So Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Um, And, and, and to all of those people who delight uh, to fear your name. And then this, he prays this, and I love this, give Mm -hmm. success. Yeah. To your sir. Yeah. So now he's like, Lord, I've I've confessed before you. Mm-hmm. I know I'm praying in your will, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. I this is yeah. what you've called us to. So now I'm asking you, Lord, would you bless mm-hmm. what would you give yeah. me success yeah. and grant me mercy mm-hmm. in the sight of this man? Mm-hmm. And so Oh, uh, then we're like, okay, what in the world? Who's he talking about this yeah. man? But now we see this phrase. Now, now I was the cupbearer to the king. Yeah. So we have an we have an understanding that long before Nehemiah probably ever comes to this prayer, or while he's been fasting mm-hmm. and praying, Nehemiah's got an idea. Yeah, yeah. And we're getting ready to see what that idea is okay. in the rest of the chapters. But he's yeah. got this idea, and the only way it's going to be able to be accomplished. Right. He has mercy and grace is given to him mm-hmm. by his boss. Right. Exactly. And, and I, know, yeah. And I, I think it's, I think it's interesting if you look at the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter, and a lot of times we get this backwards, we go first to the boss or to the King or to um, mm. the bank or to the, yeah. you know, whoever earthly person can solve this problem for us. And then we're like, Oh, we should probably pray about this. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, like we've got it. Nehemiah got it. Nehemiah got it in the right order. Um, because yeah, he was a cupbearer to the King, 
but that's not, that wasn't his most important position in this chapter. His most important position was understanding where he is with God and making sure that that's right and understanding who God is, because he knows yeah. that without God, nothing that he says to the king, the king's heart is, you know, the king can do what he wants to, but you know, uh, God, it's God that's going to, that's going to make that make the way. And, and he recognizes that. And I think sometimes, so many times we get it backwards in our life. We go to the earthly, we try to find the earthly solution first. Yeah, um, true. And, and so if you're, I mean, if you're listening and you can think, you know, I want, I want you to think about like, like Reba said at the beginning, think about your problem or your wall or your ruins, whether it's, you yeah. know, whatever it is. And look at that through the view of this, of this prayer. And mm-hmm. take this prayer on. I wrote this prayer down and then I made some changes. I didn't change the Bible. I just made this prayer my personalized own. it. Yeah. Personalized mm-hmm. this prayer um for, for the ministry of mercy because there were some things that I really wanted to see changed. I really wanted to see. And and so I'm I'm using this prayer as a model for how I'm praying for the ministry in general. Um, but then also just whatever it is in your life, and especially if especially if you're praying what what God's will is. Um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not going to use this prayer and ask for a new car. I'm just not going to do that. Um, if I need a new car, yeah, maybe, but this, this is really something that, you know, it's personal. It requires what, you know, weeping and fasting, just like Jesus said in the, in, in, to the disciples in the new Testament, this type of ministry or this type of miracle can only happen with prayer and fasting. And it's, you know, getting, getting to where, and so that's where Nehemiah is. And so at the end, like you said, at the end of this prayer, he's like, now grant me mercy. Uh, in the side of of this man, the king, because that's yeah. who I'm about to talk to. Yeah, which I, you know, I think it's so great because obviously there's been this, <clears throat> you know, there's been this wrestling between mm-hmm. um, uh, Nehemiah and the Lord over these days as they as Nehemiah has just fasted and prayed and been broken, mm-hmm. and he's and he's gotten God's obviously he, he's gotten God's okay mm-hmm. on how to proceed. Yeah. And so I, I think what you said is so wise for all of us. It's going to God first, not yeah. coming up with our plan first. And in yeah. fact, I have been so guilty in the past of coming up with my plan and going to God and saying, God, which, which one of my plans do you want to do? Yeah, version right. A, exactly. version B, right? You know, exactly. and I think all of us, it, 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 it's, it's just important when, when we face a challenge, when we face a situation in our lives where we're like, okay, I've got brokenness in my life. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's in my own doing. Maybe it's the doings of others. But I've got brokenness. So what do I need to do? Well, I need to come. I need to get to God. Mm -hmm. He's the only one who can fix my broken family. He's the only one who can fix this broken relationship. He's the only one who can fix this broken situation. Mm -hmm. And I go to God and I fast before God. I pray before God. I make it a serious matter. I confess my own sin before God. I get my heart right before God. And then I, God, what is it you want me to do? And as God then gives us ideas, yeah, you know, okay, this is what this looks like. Then you begin to say, all right, Lord, I need your help. I need your, I need you to bless me. I need you to give me success. And I need you to, you know, help me figure out what this looks like. And so we've got a span of months here, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, from the time he prayed the prayer, because the actual month is yeah. given in verse one mm-hmm. of chapter one. And then yeah. in chapter two, verse one, the next timeline is month is given. Yeah. So now he's moved 
we're, we're looking as to when it was. So again, there wasn't this rush. Yeah. There wasn't a one prayer and then I'm running in. There was, there was days and weeks and months of, of prayer and, and, you know, and, and a plan. I mean, it was, it was interesting because we'll find out a little bit later what all, what all Nehemiah got done in those months. Um, cause I, you know, he was ready, but it started with those, those days and days of mourning and fasting and praying. Um, and so anyway, so I, I do love this. I do love this part. Yeah, it's going to be good. So look, man, you know, I'm so glad that you joined us today because, uh, it's exciting to be on the very first part of this study. So I want to encourage you, go back and read Nehemiah's prayer, chapter one today. And uh, maybe as Allison has encouraged us all, think through your life and your situation. What is broken and in rubble before you right now? What are some things that you need God to rebuild, to redeem? And maybe you should personalize this prayer just like Allison has for her mercy workshop. Mm-hmm. Maybe you personalize it for your situation. Just like Nehemiah prayed a person, very personal prayer about these walls, you pray a personal prayer about your brokenness and about the things that you need restored and begin to see how God answers you um, as you walk in obedience and live according to what he has uh, for, for you. So um, so we're excited. Next yeah. few weeks of the podcast, we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. So uh, I would encourage you. Just start reading through this book, and uh, hopefully we're going to be able to hit upon things. If you find something really great, email us. Let us know. We always love hearing from you. Um, But until next time, thanks for joining us on Rooted Deep. Thank you for listening to Rooted Deep. To learn more about Dare for More Ministries, go to dareformore.org and look up Mercy Workshop at mercyjewelry.org.